Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. Hey everyone, you're listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. Hi, I'm James. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. Okay, y'all, today... um, Weekly recap, kind of, sort of, not really more interview, but we do talk about some stuff that's going on this week, um, is with James Dunn. And honestly, I started following him on Instagram. I don't really remember why. I think because Alex Clark was on his show and she tagged him. Um, I think I was like, oh, interesting. And then I started following him and he's actually like really interesting. He has a lot of good hot takes. Um, but yeah, so let's get started. Uh, James, can you just tell us a little bit about like who you are and what you do? No, absolutely. So uh, I'm James. I'm 28. I'm a United States uh, Air Force veteran. Uh, kind of been dabbling in politics for about 10 years now. Um, so I just had a lot of um, journey, a big long journey that's kind of brought me to Turning Point. Um, so I do a lot of stuff for the distribution and Turning Point, and then that's kind of led to um, an opportunity for me to start my own podcast. It has nothing to do with Turning Point as a disclaimer, but um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do my podcast, and that's kind of what I do, uh, bring in um, a platform for conservative voices. Yes, and I absolutely love that. I love that there's so many people now speaking out, speaking up um, for conservative issues and conservative values. There's actually um, a couple, Taylor and Randy, they uh, started a podcast recently called Free Thinkers Only. Everybody should listen to that. And they were saying they were inspired by um, this podcast and by all these other people starting podcasts and like speaking up and saying something. So why do you think we should speak up and say stuff as conservatives? I definitely think, um, especially considering like where we are in the polarization of of politics, that if you have the ability to speak up and and state your opinion, you should. And a lot of people, surprisingly enough, don't have that opportunity. Uh, the, The kind of the reason why I started my my podcast was there was a lot of people that I knew that worked like in the casino industry in Las Vegas, and they worked in a bunch of different industries where they were not allowed to speak out about their political beliefs mostly because they were in union or because they were a teacher or because whatever. And so they really didn't have the opportunity to speak out. And so unfortunately those, you know, when people are drowned out like that, um, you're, you're only giving this liberal echo chamber that's going on. And you've probably seen it on social media. They want mm-hmm. to conservative stuff. They want to uh, silence all conservatives. So, I, I mean, there are very few people that can't speak out as conservatives and, and, and if you're one of those people, it makes it all more important to do so. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that I do understand because of work, because of um, other factors in people's lives or people who definitely cannot speak up. But like if you can, I really think it's so important because like you were saying about the echo chamber, I think that's part of our biggest problem is that there are so you're only really hearing one voice, especially in like atmospheres like 
podcasts and movies and on social media, you're only hearing one voice. So you're not able to, people aren't able to hear the other side. I mean, I follow a few people on Twitter that are pretty lefty, partially because I just, I want to hear what they're saying. And then sometimes they have funny hot takes on like movies and stuff. But um, some of the stuff they say is just like, wow, you've never, have you ever heard anyone else's perspective on this topic? Because people, and people just live in their little echo chambers and they don't know how to get out and like to learn more. No, absolutely. And, you know, it, it was kind of funny that you brought up Alex Clark because she was kind of one of the people that kind of inspired me to do it in which she had the show uh, that was just doing, pol- you know, politics um, on Turning Point on Instagram. You should definitely check her out if you don't watch her already. Um, and but- also to side note, uh, we interviewed her. That's our third episode. Continue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely <laughs> check that out, too. Um, she's super funny, uh, does entertainment news, and it sits through a conservative lens. Not everything that she's, she talks about every single episode is of conservative nature, but it's definitely giving you the news through that conservative lens where, you, you know, um, she talked about it before, where, like, they had the Miley Cyrus period abortion cake or whatever. Yeah. And how everybody was saying how great this was and how celebrated this was. And you only were getting that one-sided perspective of what this was. So I, I thought it was like really interesting that, you know, she was doing stuff like that. And so I kind of started off as uh, doing like more satirical stuff of uh, sports and making fun of like the Houston Astros and doing other things like that um, through my podcast and then just using humor. And what was weird was after that, I, there were so many people that were reached out to me and they were like, wow, this is really cool. I wish I could speak out and, and do something like this. And then all of a sudden I just was like, well, why don't you just come on my show and we'll do an interview with you. And you have a really interesting take. Like I've gotten to interview a lot of people from like Puerto Rico. Uh, oh, yeah, people from um, uh, on masks and from the healthcare industry. Um, so it's been really awesome to see. Like there are other uh, dissenting opinions out there on what we should mm-hmm. do and all this stuff, and you're really just not getting heard. And then all of a sudden, you know, getting the opportunity to speak with Congressman Gosar was another awesome thing. So it, it's really awesome how. Um, kind of going back to this, like, why should you speak out as a conservative is, yeah, you might lose some friends, but the amount of friends and, and the, the community that you grow into is just so much more worth it. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, the friends that I've made through doing just different conferences, being a part of different clubs. Um, and honestly, like I've met friends through, like I've met two or three people who just randomly found the podcast and we've just like started connecting. They, those are some valuable friendships. And a lot of them are friendships that, um, I personally think like your strongest friendships are friendships where you don't have to see each other or talk to each other every day. And those are the type of friendships that you're making. So they're strong. And I honestly feel like they're going to last longer because they're also, um, enriched in, uh, similar values that's another big thing I think that um we I know all of us have friends that well I think we all should have one or two friends that don't necessarily agree with us um and when push comes to shove there's certain things that if your values don't align there's going to be some contention I have um a few really good friends from undergrad who I love dearly but there's certain things I don't share with them because I need someone who I know is going to pray for me or I need someone who I know is going to um, give me advice from a Christian perspective and uh, yeah, pretty much a Christian perspective. So having these other friendships, I think are so great and they're so important. 
No, absolutely. And I think one of the benefits of that is it, it alleviates a lot of stress in your life that you have yeah. a community that you can just go and be yourself in. Um, I think for me, I was a college student. Um, I was in the EMT community. Um, and so there's a lot of times where you found a lot of like the union people and the college professors and all that stuff where you had to hide like kind of what your real beliefs are and your your real personality around those kind of people to be accepted. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of a stress reliever when you, you find this group where you can just say what you really think and say what you, you know, like what you want to, yeah. what you really want to say. Yeah. Like the cute servitus, if you're not part of that ladies, the cute servitus Facebook group, um, that Facebook group has been a lifesaver. There's been like tiny things that have happened in my life and I just really need to vent to tell somebody. And it's so great to just be like, y'all won't believe what happened. And then just like word vomit it. And then everybody's like, no, you're in the right. Uh, don't feel bad. God's got you. It's okay. Blah, blah, blah. And it feels, that's a huge stress reliever. It feels great. <laughs> no, absolutely. And even if you're not conservative and you just really like cinnamon rolls, that's also a great community for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, okay, so next question. Um, so we're talking about speaking out. What are some ways you think that um, young adults, so people like our age, can speak out if they're not able to like have a huge platform? Maybe if they're just talking to a friend or two, like what are some small ways people can do it? I mean, honestly, you just have that community. Um, you'd be surprised how many how many times you would just say, you know, just like a simple thing to a friend. Um I was surprised at the amount of people that came out to me as Trump supporters, as hidden closet Trump supporters uh, during the last election cycle. People that I had known for years and years and years had nothing to do with politics. And it was just so funny to me. I'm like, oh, wow. Like I was expecting like a really mean message from this person. And in uh, reality, it wasn't. So sometimes it's just sending that direct message to somebody who um, may be posting and like, hey, give them a little bit of support. Um, another thing that you can do is just like share information, um, you know, just uh, find those communities where you kind of, you can kind of fit in and you doesn't necessarily have to be on your social media posts. You, you might be able to go to like a pro-life rally or something like that. And you don't just post anything on your social media or something like that. Yeah. Oh, another one I just thought of. And we talked about this in another episode, um, joining clubs like your Young Republicans Club. Um, and if you don't have one starting one, I think those are going to become um, those are going to get bigger and they're going to become more popular, especially just seeing the way that this country is going, whether um, the president, President Trump is president or not, the election was pretty close, at least in the local, like, um, I know for, um, our governor, I mean, our, uh, Senator Tom Tillis, it was like 48, 49%. I'm sorry. That's just too close. Um, so I think that people are going to want to, um, do more. And I think that joining your young Republicans club or something like that is going to be super, um, beneficial and it'll also help you to do more. Like I've done a lot through the young Republicans. That's kind of how, um, I've been able to do some canvassing, some, um, phone banking and things like that have been like connections through there. And you make really good friends too. Absolutely. And, and to be totally honest and, you know, as a, as a caveat, this is my own personal opinion, but not anyone else's, but I think even go one step further, um, look into your local Republican party and see what kind of positions are open. There's always a county chair position or a secretary position, or possibly, you know, like a treasury position that you could always run for. 
I think right now, um, especially what we're seeing with the rise of young conservative voices like Madison Cawthorn, um, that mm -hmm. young lady from Baltimore, uh, her name's escaping me right now, and uh, a bunch of younger conservatives. This is the most time. This is the most beneficial time for young conservatives to enter the party and enter into those leadership roles. Um, and don't take advantage of it because especially this, this kind of stuff kind of goes in waves. When I entered politics in about 2008, um, I was about 16 years old and I've been doing it for a little bit, volunteering, canvassing. I, I had a lot of elections under my belt and I'm, I don't know, I'm just a weird nerd like that. <laughs> and um, oftentimes I was told to shut up, go in the corner, go get coffee or whatever like that. And so I would even challenge people to even go a step further and try and get into one of those leadership positions become a, uh, a precinct chairman, own your neighborhood, take ownership in, in your neighborhood and, you know, go out there, register people to vote, talk to people, uh, go find candidates that are worth it. Because how oftentimes do we also see that we had a candidate that didn't support the president, that didn't support conservative values, and we let them run again. And now they're the conservative candidate again, and they're not. Mm -hmm. values. So I would even go further and just say, get more active in your community. Um, People think that, oh, I'm just a normal human being. It really only takes showing up to a couple of meetings, um, mm -hmm. getting involved, getting to know people and trying to get those good people in. Because right now in between 20, 20, 2000, or 2020 and 2000, or 2022, um, we're going to be start doing a changing of the guard. And that's when you want to start getting more involved. So that way, when 2022 comes around, we have the right foundation for midterm elections. Yeah, I I agree completely. Very, very good point. I think that now, like you said, is the time for young conservatives to get in leadership positions in the big umbrella. Not like you said, not just like young Republicans or like your college chapters. Um, now is the time, especially because and, you know, nothing against older people in the movement at all. But um we're younger, we know how to reach people a little bit more. And we have fresh ideas. Um, I do believe in um, like I am more of a traditional um, conservative, but I do think there are certain things. And I'll just use an example because um, I had I want to say it was like when Luke was on, um, he talked about this. But like some of the older um, officials, so like uh, state reps, they might not act use something as simple as like TikTok a lot. But younger us younger ones, we could help the people who are in office, we could help them work on using TikTok to reach people, to get information out. Like how um, Dan Crenshaw, how he comes on and does like lives and things like that. Like that is what people want to see. That is what people want to hear. You know, I'm not, I do not like AOC, but she really does hustle and she really does try to be more in like to to let you in her world. She did the whole makeup tutorial thing. And like, I'm not saying we have to go full on, like, this is my daily life. Here I am putting on pants. I'm not saying that, but like, you know, we can definitely do better. And I think that younger people, we see that more than older people. Like my mom asked me the other day, like help her delete some emails from my phone when I was like, not at her, at her house. So like older people just, sometimes they just don't understand like the time that we're in. And I do think like having younger people, um, on these boards that are doing a lot more will definitely help because I think that, and we've talked about this kind of already, but we're really facing a culture war. We're really, it, these uh, this election in so many different races was just too close, too close for comfort. It should not have been that close in so many of these elections. And 
the only way to fight that is to actually like be out there and to figure out like what is the problem like what was it that people thought that this other candidate that supports socialism that supports like <laughs> that's against basic human rights that that's pro-abortion like what was it that this candidate had that people were like well you know what it's okay I guess I'll vote for them um and I think that young people we are the ones that could figure that out and that could actually like help reach people absolutely this is a very pivotal transitional time between um whether or not President Trump wins the election I, I really hope he does and knock on wood that he does that but um regardless you know going into 2024 um, there's going to be a new changing of guard, and we got to make sure that the conservative Republican Party is kind of going in the right way. I've seen it, um, at, at least in definitely in my life, lifetime, where it's been taken over by the war hawking and the military, military industrial complex and the mm-hmm. corporate and all that stuff. And we want to make sure that this pure grassroots effort that was started by President Trump continues to go in the right direction. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you not only stay like get involved now, but stay involved after. Mm-hmm. One of the, the, the cool things that Charlie Kirk said back in September was the fight for conservative values doesn't stop November 3rd. Whether this election go, drag, get drags out for another couple of months or whatever, it won't stop the day that the results are, are, are finished and, and tallied. All right. Um, it's going to keep it's going to be something that happens every single day. And one of the big problems that we have as conservatives is that we go out, we do the election, whatever the results of the election, we go, okay. And then in two years or four years, we come back and we do it again. Um, one of the biggest differences between the, the liberals and the conservatives, you see liberals out there doing marches every single weekend. You see them holding rallies, holding meetings, holding, it doesn't matter when. So it's definitely something that we need to do better as conservatives of being more activists and uh, less passive in, in, our, in our beliefs. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of the reason why the left um, was doing so much previously, because they were um, on the off defense more than the offense. Like, um, and I think that if we start playing, um, not playing their game, but if we can just start realize, okay, no matter what, like you said, no matter who wins, this is still a fight. If we can start having that mindset, because you're right, I do think people get in the mindset of like, oh, we won. All right, we did it. But like, no, that's not, <laughs> there's still so much work to do. Okay. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this. Um, and if not, you can just say you're not. Um, do you think there's going to be like um, 20 Republicans running and then 20 Democrats running in 2024? And they're going to have to like whittle it down. Or do you think the parties are going to like get together and be like, okay, these are our five best. Let's put them out there. Um, so in, I have to put the caveat in my personal opinion. Um, it all depends on what happens um, with this election. I think if President okay. Trump doesn't pull it out, he might run again in 2024. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, I've said repeatedly that I don't like to guess what the president is going to do, but I've been because I've been repeatedly wrong about <laughs> yeah. what he does. He is one of the. He is uh, from somebody from Vegas. He is a bookkeeping nightmare. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't like to guess what he does, but um, I definitely don't. I I honestly think that history repeats himself, itself, mm-hmm. right? And what I'm seeing is a lot of similarities between um, Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter, right? Where okay. we've already set this foundation for this huge conservative revolution that's going to happen again with whoever is going to be in 2024. And that's why, regardless if it's President Trump or somebody else, if 
Joe Biden is in, it's going to it's it's going to get really bad and it's going to wake up the you know remaining 20% of people I think on the other side that are are teetering on the socialism um side. Mm-hmm. They're going to see gas prices go back up, they're going to see food prices go back up, they're going to see the economy shut down, people lose their jobs. I mean, eventually they're going to have to lift this eviction um hold and people are going to lose their homes and it's going to get really bad. And so the pro- I think what's going to happen is we're going to have another conservative revolution and you might see 20 candidates on the other side, on either side, um, depending on whoever the incumbent is. Um, if it's Donald Trump, you'll see 20 on each side. If it's Joe Biden, you'll see Joe Biden re- rerun for re-election and then 20 probably on the other side. And what we'll see is kind of what the Democrats um, did in this election cycle. You'll see a wide range of spectrum of conservative candidates, I believe, where you'll have like everybody from kind of your traditional conservative candidate like Dan Crenshaw all the way to like your libertarian like Rand Paul. And it's going to be up to the American people to kind of decide where they want to go and how radical of a conservative uh, revolution they want to go. But I think that's what's probably going to happen in 2024. Okay. Another question on that. Do you think that um, Joe Biden would run again? Or do you think that Kamala Harris would run um, as for president next time? Uh, all joking aside, uh, I don't know if he's going to make it through a first term. And like, yeah. that's one of the first things that I mean, and I don't mean to say this in a, in a vile or a mean way. I really just don't think so. Like, I think as somebody who's followed politics for a really long time, 2004 Joe Biden and 2008 Joe Biden and 2012 Joe Biden and now 2020-12 Joe Biden, he's declined a lot. And that was just during the election cycle. What the presidency does to somebody, like for those of you guys who are not old enough to remember when Barack Obama first entered office, he was a oh, yeah. man. Yeah. When he left, it looked like somebody drained his soul like at the end of Indiana Jones. Yeah, um, I've seen those pictures. Yeah. So like, he, it, it definitely takes a lot out of you. And considering the man is, what, almost 80? Yeah. 80s or almost 80 years old. Um, it's going to take a lot out of him. So I don't know if he runs again um, or if he even makes it through the first term. Uh, would Kamala Harris run again? I think absolutely she would run um, for president. And the problem is she's not very well liked. And I think that's not something that the Democrats really realize. They think that sometimes elections are snapshots in history and maybe that um, I don't know if you guys saw the exit polling, but 33% of Joe Biden supporters said that they voted for Joe Biden, not because they support Joe Biden, but because mm-hmm. they did not like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So elections are only snapshots in history. So unfortunately 33% of the, the base of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris didn't support them. They just didn't want Trump. So I don't mm-hmm. know about that 33% of independent slash moderate liberals are going to vote for Joe Biden again or Kamala Harris again. If you have someone like just moderate, um, I love Donald Trump to death, but sometimes he can be a little abrasive and a little much. <laughs> if you put like a clean cut candidate, maybe like a, a Ted Cruz or mm-hmm. possibly, um, like a Rand Paul, somebody who's, who's really clean cut. I would love to see, honestly, I would love to see Mike Pence. Um, oh, me too. Me too. I, I think Mike Pence would would win in a landslide. I don't know if you saw, but the numbers that he got from that vice presidential debate 
I don't understand why we just didn't run Mike Pence. So Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I honestly, like, that first debate, you know, I was, was going to vote for the president because, you know, uh, politi- uh, policy over personality. But after that first debate, I was like, oh, yikes. And then when Mike Pence did his debate, I was like, okay, all right, we can do this. We can, we can win this thing. <laughs> yeah, I always say that Mike Pence is like, um, if there was a, rela- if they had a relationship, uh, Donald Trump's like that crazy Italian mom. And then, like, <laughs> Mike Pence is, like, his sturdy, like, steady Italian dad, right? So, <laughs> you know, he lets his wife fly off the hand a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, Mike Pence is going to, you know, keep it in there. Yeah. Yeah, he did so great. Okay, so one of the things that you talk a lot about on your page are the masks. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about... um like, I guess this will be like the part of the weekly recap is in North Carolina. We are now our governor who um, surprised, like, I'm honestly shocked that we voted. Well, I didn't vote for him. The state of North Carolina voted for him. Um, and interestingly enough, we have a Democrat governor and a Republican lieutenant governor. So that's interesting. Um, but he did a mandate saying that you have to wear a mask. Um, until December 11th. So it's November 28th right now while we're recording this. So um, till December 11th, whenever you're around people that are not in your immediate family. So that includes the gym. And I did the mask today, this morning, for the first time at my gym, and I absolutely hated it. And what's hard about it is my, um, my trainer, the guy who owns the gym, great, amazing man. Um, he when first of all it's a small business these gyms are small businesses there are people who like I know someone whose um girlfriend they were telling me their girlfriend opened um I want to say maybe like in um February she started one of those like bar gyms like the bar doing the ballet thing and um she had to sell it because by I think it was like by June she had to sell it because she just couldn't like the equipment everything you just couldn't keep up because everybody had to shut down And so, you know, it's a small business, so I can't be mad at the owner because at the end of the day, like, um, reading the whole, the whole sheet of the mandate and stuff, they could, he could lose his license. He could lose, um, his, the building, the people that are renting him the building, he can lose his livelihood if he does not enforce this mask. And we actually had a scare once, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the gym and a police officer, which was, it was just so weird. It felt like we were like in a movie, a police officer was walking up on the sidewalk to where the gym was. And the owner, I hope I can share this. Um, I hope he doesn't get in trouble for this, but if he does, I'm sorry. Um, when the police officer started like walking toward the door, he was just kind of like, okay, everybody just remember that you guys have a medical condition or something like that, which I mean, you know, I'm working on losing weight. So that should be considered a medical condition, but like we had to, it was just so weird. He was like whispering. Okay. Everybody just remember while the police officer was walking up, it just feels like we're in a weird new dystopian movie almost. Um, so I guess I just wanted to talk about like, like how did we get here? How do we stop this? Can we stop? Is it too late to stop it? Like, what are your, I guess, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? So, so one of my favorite books is, uh, is 1984. And it's, it's funny how we've kind of slowly gotten to this. And, I, you know, I know this has been almost cliche to talk about 1984 and things of that nature, but we've seen Democrats push the envelope so much on certain things where it's like, 
uh, free speech and hate speech and censorship on social media to the mm-hmm. point where you can't even challenge masks, you can't challenge dissenting opinions on medical authorities. And as my background in EMT, um, I'm not a professional, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to get your podcast all flagged or anything like that. But um, in my experience, I used to be chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear certified, which means basically when when I was in the Air Force, if we had a hazmat emergency, we were supposed to respond to save those victims. Obviously, we don't have enough time to wait for a hazmat team to go in. So in acute and long-term situations, we were trained on how to mitigate these emergencies. So if we show up to a deployed location that has a chemical agent that has like a virus, we were supposed to be trained to go ahead and, and learn how to do that. So the thing is how we're treating this virus is not how we would necessarily treat the virus as military members, which is really what's confusing me because these N95 masks, they're effective, but for about an hour or two, right? So they're not, oh. they're not really meant to be all day, everyday use. So if you're using an N95 mask or your medical surgical masks, you're not really protecting yourself from long-term exposure. And I don't know how many people I know that take their mask, put it on their, on their wind or uh, the rear view mirror of their car. And then like they use it to go in and out of the store. They've never washed it. They reuse the mask or um, those people who use a cloth mask. If you're not using a hospital grade medical cleaner, you're really not doing anything at all. Yeah. I mean, it says it on the packaging. It literally says not for medical use. (laughs) Absolutely. And so, a lot of that stuff is to kind of keep um, your, with surgical masks, it's to keep your bodily fluids from getting out and not from anything from getting in. Um, so that's why you're kind of still seeing a rise in cases. But the reason why we're seeing a drop in deaths is because we're starting to actually learn how to treat this disease. A lot of problems that we were having in the beginning where we were putting everybody on ventilators, we were... Um, putting everybody in the same room. We were sending people back to the nursing homes and we weren't protecting the vulnerable because we wanted to be politically correct, right? Like we didn't want to call it an old person's disease, but I mean, mm-hmm. now that the data shows, it's like, if you're older, you're at most risk for this. If you're immune compromised, you're most at risk for this. So I think a lot of this with the masks and everything is we've put these restrictions out and how often do you see that government like retracts the power that they usurped from the from the citizens? Right. They have it, and this was why I was very vocal about this in the very beginning in the podcast, and it got me in a lot of trouble, especially with Congressman Gosar, who likes to use the magic word hydrochloroquine. But um, <laughs> you, you, you had we had to fight this really hard in the beginning, and I think a lot of the American people went into this with good intentions, like. Hey, you know, if we have to do 15 days to slow the spread and we got to do what we got to do because we didn't know what was going on. Right. And everybody Mm -hmm. was like, um, but these curfews, these, these implements on business, like we've seen states like South Dakota with the great governor Christy Nome, Mm -hmm. never shut down, never have a problem with cases, never have a problem with deaths. So this has become less about science and more about control. Mm-hmm. And I really think, honestly, if Joe Biden takes the presidency, um, you'll start to see these restrictions and everything loosen up because they'll need it to bring the economy back. And then it's been strictly political to lower the economy, put a restraints on the economy so that when Joe Biden releases everything, that the economy comes back because the foundation that Donald Trump put in 
and then he can take credit for all of it. Um, mm-hmm. I know that's not like a conspiracy theory, but it just seems like that's what's going on right now because we weren't seeing, there was no talks about mandatory shutdowns or mass mandates or stay at home orders prior to November 3rd, right? Right. You know, it's because we were trying to get Joe Biden into the presidency, right? Like he had talked about a nationwide lockdown, but everybody, he's like, oh, I would never do that. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But now that the election's over, it's like strictly political. Like we want to make Trump's last minutes in office, like the most hell that we can so that people are like hate Republicans. But I think it's really backfired on people. Um, unfortunately, we'll have to see what happens with these masks. And it really just comes down to having politicians like Christine Nome, um, like uh, Rick DeSantis, like um, at times Governor Abbott, he is a little wishy-washy on it, um, to stand up and, and do what's right. And sometimes challenging the, these things in the Supreme Court. We got a huge um, win on this um, yes. recently with uh, Amy Comey Barrett and our new Supreme Court Ooh. justice in New York um, and what they were doing to the Jewish community in New York. So it might be just a matter of time where uh, we get some good attorney generals in there and they're going to start um, challenging these things in the Supreme Court. Yeah, I just I'm really ready for this to be over. Um, and it definitely is a political thing. I know our governor is not friends with the president. The whole RNC fiasco that was supposed to be in North Carolina, it was supposed to be in Charlotte, and that's where I'm located. And it was, it just turned out to be a huge mess of like our governor just, I don't know, he just isn't. Uh, and I, honestly, like I'm really surprised because there's been a lot of businesses in North Carolina that have um, had to shut down or like they've had a lot of restrictions. A lot of people have lost um a lot of livelihoods and I think the other problem is people um I think I mean we know that it's our governors but I really do think that um some people still think it's the president it's the president's fault that we are all the bad things that happen is President Trump's fault because President Trump is this big bad evil and he ruined x y and z and I think that could be another reason why um Governor Cooper won again because I just, I can't, I'm, I was shocked. I was shocked that he won. Honestly, one of the silver linings I think of, of, of a possibility of President Trump losing is giving the president or giving the Democrats up. Oops, sorry. <laughs> up, right. And um, so one of the opportunities that you can do um, is for your opponents is give them the opportunity in the reins to do better. Often we've seen with, um, with the Democrats is that basically if Joe Biden comes in, that he's gonna he has a plan and he's gonna fix things and everything's gonna be great. Well, one of the one things I would love to do is just give him the opportunity and give him a lame duck presidency where he gets the opportunity to put these mass mandates in, put all the mandates that he wants in, and when things don't get fixed, people are gonna see that really quickly. And I think the only way that they can you can honestly change the opinion of a lot of people on President Trump with all these lies that you've seen in the mainstream media. Is it honestly just give Joe Biden a chance to opportunity and the opportunity to mess the whole thing? Yeah. Up. Um, President Obama said it best. Joe Biden never ceases to uh, or never doesn't take the opportunity to mess up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. That would be. Yeah. Um, so now we're just going to do some really fun questions. Um, 
I'm trying to keep it under an hour because I've been having problems with that. So we'll do this part kind of sort of fast, but not really. Okay, so the first fun question is when do you think it's appropriate to put up Christmas, the Christmas tree slash Christmas decoration? When you start feeling the Christmas feeling. Uh, for some people, it's right after Halloween. For some people, it's right after Thanksgiving. Um, I'm personally not against seeing a Christmas tree at Thanksgiving, but it's just whatever makes people happy. I mean, I love seeing Christmas decorations. I put up my own Christmas decorations up yesterday. Aww. So, um, I, yeah, whenever, whenever you, whenever you feel like it, um, because Thanksgiving changes every year. So I think when you should put up Christmas trees, um, and the decorations should change every year. Too. Okay. So if it's whenever you feel like it, what if people are feeling like it in like July? I'm okay with it. Oh, you know, okay. Christmas in July. There's a re- there's a reason why there's a movie called Christmas in July, um, because all honestly, all about Christmas and just kind of going into my Christian beliefs is celebrating Christ and the birth of Christ and the gift that has been given us in the United or like across the world, and He died for our sins. So if you want to feel like celebrating that in July, celebrate in July. If you want to celebrate in December, it's December. It's just a day and a reminder, but you can you can have that kind of Christmas feeling all year long if you want. Oh, to. okay, all right, that's it. A hot take right there. Um, so what is your favorite Christmas movie? All right. So I know this is very controversial. So I have my answer and my backup <laughs> answer. So I've been told, I've been told that uh, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, um, but it is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Um, but I often get that. If that's not accepted as an answer, Elf by far is like my really? favorite like, Christmas Christmas Okay, so first comment on Die Hard. I've actually never seen it. Um, That's a shame. It's, a, it's an American shame. Yeah, I know. It. And like, it seems as if every Christmas, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this because everybody talks about how it's, whether it's a Christmas movie or not. And I'm like, I want to be a part of this conversation. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. And I just never end up seeing it. So I've never seen it. Um, I know the references because, oh, what is that show with the police officers? Um Rita. No, 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 it's oh, funny. Uh, yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, Jake, Jake is that's his name, right? Peralta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Peralta. he likes the movie, so I know like they reference it a lot. So I know the references, but I've never actually seen it. I will accept that answer. The answer I will not accept is Elf because I think that is the most overrated Christmas movie that has ever existed. It's it's not. <laughs> I mean, first of all, Buddy the Elf with your favorite color is great. I say. Every time I say goodbye to my friends, I always say, bye, buddy. Hope you find oh your dad. Oh, my goodness. Like, it is one of the – it just gives you the best Christmassy feeling at the end of it. And it introduced, introduced us to what is one of my favorite actresses, Zoe D. Yeah, Dino. I love her. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. One of the best covers of Baby It's Cold Outside. And it tells you the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all <laughs> Is I, I don't know. I just – I. It's so overrated to me. I think it's good, but I just that's everybody's favorite Christmas movie, and I just I don't know. And I love real Will Ferrell. I think he's hilarious, but for whatever reason, I'm just not. That movie is just like, eh. But I do, and I like Zoe uh, Deschanel, and I always forget um, that it's her because you know she has blonde. Yeah, she has blonde hair in that movie, and then on um, New Girl, she has brown hair. But then, like sometimes she'll do stuff on New Girl, like she'll sing, and I'll be like, oh my goodness, that's the same girl. But yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So best Christmas song. Uh, so best Christmas song is Jingle Bell Rock. That's a good one. And yeah. 
the only reason I say that is because it's an old family joke that um, if you listen to the old Brenda Ling uh, version of it, like the rock and oh, sorry, rocking around the Christmas tree. That's mm-hmm. what I like. Um, she says later we'll have some pumpkin pie, but if you listen really closely, it sounds like she says the apple. <laughs> so oh my goodness. <laughs> So maybe we'll have some F word pie. If you go in and you listen to it, you will never hear that song the same way. And it makes me laugh. <laughs> That's funny. I thought you were going to say because of Mean Girls, but um, I guess that doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. That's a good reason. I mean, if I want to just like get in the Christmas mood, Mariah Carey is all I want for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, that just puts me in the mood every that, time. Yeah, same. That and um, Justin Bieber's Mistletoe is a really good one. um okay and then next question what is a secret obsession that you have that most people don't know about you so my secret obsession i would have to say is um i like to i like to travel and one of my weird things is i like to hit baseball parks interesting Um, yeah so when i was a kid my dad worked for the airlines um back before they were like four airlines there was like a thousand of them (laughs) Um, we used to fly for free. That's cool. And so one of the things me and my dad used to do, um, is we would go to a baseball park for the day. So we'd take the early morning flight, fly out to a baseball park and then watch a game, especially like in the dog days of summer, you get, you get baseball tickets for like six bucks. And then I would, I, I collect cups at those, uh, baseball parks. So I have a cup from every single baseball park that I've been to. So that's my weird secret little obsession oh that's cool and that's really unique i like that okay so we're gonna do a rapid a rapid fire round of this or that are you ready Absolutely. cookies or cake see i'm upset that pie is not an answer okay um is pie in the cake category sure we'll put pie in the cake category yeah okay really i feel like you don't hear that a lot either I am an apple pie fiend. If you talk to anybody that knows me like really well, um, if you've gotten on my bad side, banana bread and apple pie are the, are the ones. Oh, banana have, bread so. is so good. Um, pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Not yeah, I agree. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, so because Dr. Pepper is in Pepsi, I have to go with Pepsi. Yes, I love Dr. Pepper. I'm a Dr. Pepper fan. Okay. Um, last one, tea or coffee? Either. I don't drink either. Oh. I am a doctor. I don't drink uh, monsters or anything like that either. Just Dr. Pepper. That's my one. Bite. Really? Okay. <laughs> hmm. You just don't like the taste of coffee or tea or? Uh, so I think for me, it was growing up, I was an intern for a politician and then I grew up in the fire department and, um, they drink a lot, a lot of coffee and they drink a lot, a lot of tea. And sometimes I had to make coffee for these people. <laughs> and so I can't, I can't really stand the smell. Of oh, coffee. wow. Um, so like, yeah. So like, I've kind of gotten to the point where like, I'm numb to it now, but like, I kind of don't like the smell of coffee at all. Okay. So uh, I can't, I can't get, I can't get to the taste point because I don't like the smell of it. So. Okay. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird little ptsd from james's hazing <laughs> days in the military so, yeah. all right well everyone um if you want to get him a drink it has to be dr pepper no tea or coffee yeah dr pepper or water okay all right so really quick um what are three books or podcasts that have really inspired you 
Um, for me, one of the books that have really inspired me is, uh, so I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. So Mamba Mentality um, is definitely a good read for you. Um, it's, he talks about, you know, being better every single day. Um, podcasts, I would have to say, I'll just give you two. Uh, I love Louder with Crowder. Mm-hmm. Um, he is one of my favorites. And one of the best things that I like that he does, is he does Ash Wednesdays. So not only does he kind of give you like a funny little political thing, but um, every Wednesday he, he kind of gets a little bit more Christian. And we talk about, uh, they talk about Christian values and politics and where it is right now. And a little fun fact, my pastor, Pastor Mark, was on there last Wednesday. Oh, so if that's you like cool. good pastors and you're interested in, uh, Pastor Mark Drissel was on the last Ash Wednesday on Lotter with Crowder. And then I really, really love Ben Shapiro. So uh, I grew up in like a very like facts, don't care about your feelings type household. Mm. So um, I love sometimes I, I like to know emotion, just straight facts. Of things. And that's so Ben I, Shapiro I really like for ben. sure. <laughs> wow okay well thank you so so much um for doing this and if people want to follow you keep up and everything tell us all your social media and all that jazz absolutely so thanks for having me on first of all and uh if you want to follow me um done right podcast on instagram um for those of you guys who are getting on the trend and, and joining parlor i'm done right on there d-u-n-n right um and then i also have a youtube channel uh done right podcast um, and you can find me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and everyone, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you guys got something out of this and you learned something new. Uh, please do not forget to rate, subscribe, and review. And you'll hear me later. Have a good rest of your day, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram, at thoseothergirlspodcast, and on Twitter, at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.